gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies Broadcast Season 4, Episode 5. My name is Luke Hatfield. Uh, I'm working from home today, uh, but someone I did get to see on Sunday, admittedly not on a, the greatest uh, day for Albion, Mr Joe Massey. Joe, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I'm a bit up against it time-wise, as you know. We need to. I need to sort of stick to an hour today. Um, but yeah, absolutely love the fact uh, you made the long trip to Southampton on um, on Sunday. I know it wasn't. Uh, well, it was a bit of a dreadful afternoon in the end, wasn't it? But I just love your commitment. Like like I said on Twitter, you, you could have worked from home. You could have. You've done all the other games from home, but. You love the baggies so much, you got in your car and you drove all the way to the south coast. If it is on the south coast, Southampton, I'm not sure if it is or not. but Yeah, you're, you're right, it is. Yeah, it is, yeah. For the record, I did apply for all the other games accreditation-wise. This was the first game I got accepted for. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I know that you want to be at every game, mate. I, I absolutely know that. I think everyone knows that when it comes to you and Albion. Uh, yeah, I really do love my job, like covering... Uh, the football club. You love being at Albion Games, I know you do, mate. I know you I do. So. Covering Albion Games, mate. But yeah, all good, mate. All good. You're you good. I am good. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, I tell you what, though, on Sunday, I, I did tell you this uh, off air, but I'm just oh, doing it for yeah. a little bit of podcast banter as well. On the way home, I was tired. My eyes would were, were my not my eyelids were heavy. I had to pull over in a service station and sleep. This is ridiculous. This is this is ridiculous, mate. Like this is absolutely outrageous behaviour from you. It's outrageous. So, I mean, is, would you rather me crash my car? No, obviously, obviously, I don't want you to crash your car. Obviously, I would much, I would strongly advise if you are that tired to pull over. But why were you so tired? It was a long day, mate. When you finish the game, you're done. You leave. I said you drive home and you finish for the day. I had to stay in Southampton, write eight hundred words analysis for the paper, player ratings, and two four hundred word stories, and then drive back. And I still didn't need a nap. And I've got two kids. You're more used to these hectic days than I am. <laughs> I was really struggling, I must admit. I was, I was, I was supposed to be going for dinner. And um, I had to text my missus saying, I'm not going to be home uh, quite on time. Because I need to I need sleep. <laughs> need my beauty sleep, mate. Can't believe that, mate. Can't believe it. Oh, I think it was just all it? the excitement of finally being at an Albion game. It drains you that energy, doesn't it? When you're just so excited, so on edge, so happy. I think it must have really sort of... It was emotional for you, wasn't it? It was emotional. Emotional is, is a stretch too far. And I think it took a lot out of you, bless you. Bless you. It was just the early morning. <laughs> it was the early morning, mate. I'm used to having a line on Sunday. Um, let's talk about the game, shall we? Not for long, because it wasn't great. Um, Southampton 2, Albion 0. Um, it was just grim all round, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't the best. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, right from the off, really. It sounds really, really odd um, when there's no supporters in stadiums at the minute. Um, but it was really flat. It was even more flat than usual. Um, mm. I don't know whether that was the weather or, or what, really. But as soon as... As soon as I got to the ground, I mean, I've got to say, I've never been to St. Mary's before. I thought it was, I thought it was a beautiful stadium. Um, but it was, it was sitting in that press box. Um, I was obviously delighted you were there, but it did feel strangely subdued. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that just sort of 
transcended onto the pitch really and into Albion's performance um, and they just didn't get going um, in- incredibly unfortunate to be 1-0 down at half time um, I mean Southampton completely outplayed them really and, and but for two Sam Johnson worldies and they were worldies yeah. um, they would have been 3-0 down at the break um, and yeah I mean I think loads of people have asked about formations and tactics and stuff and I mean, I'll touch on it now, really. I might as well touch on it, on it now. But there were, look, everyone knows I love Slavon Bilic and I think he's done an absolutely incredible job um, um, in his time as, as manager. But I, I, I think he had a really bad day, um, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. I think, um, I think from the offset, the system was wrong, the 4 one We've talked about it a lot. Um, for me, it's a dated system. Um, Football is evolving all the time. You, you look at 10 years ago, 4-2-3-1 was all the rage. Um, I would say sort of when, when Mourinho was peak Mourinho. Um, yeah. Um, when he was sort of winning things with Chelsea and Real Madrid and whatnot and in the Milan. And, but football evolves and Mourinho was replaced by Guardiola and Guardiola sort of been replaced by Klopp. And I just think... I could get the system in the championship. I could understand it because of the, because Albion simply had better players than the opposition every week. And because they were dominating the ball, it brought the best out of Sawyers and it allowed Pereira to be in that number 10 role. But I think, to be honest, a lot of teams worked it out last season in the championship. Um, so I don't think that was the way... I don't think... He, I really think he should go 4-3-3. I, I think that was wrong. And then, bizarrely, he did go 4-3-3 at half-time... Um, and for 15 minutes or so, Albion got a foothold on the game. Um, and it looked like they were, they were growing in stature in it. And, and Dean Garner was starting to look a little bit more threatening. And, but then Bilic continued to make changes. He, he, he brought off Callum Robinson for Hal robson Carney, which I thought was really harsh when Callum Robinson had had scraps to feed off for 45 minutes. He didn't look delighted minutes. by it, by the way. No, he never does look delighted when he comes off, bless him, which is... Which is a good thing. Um, he wants to play. He wants to score goals. That's what you want from your strikers. But I just felt it was a bit harsh when he went through no fault of his own. He hadn't had a kick in the first half to then take him off when Albion were finally getting sort some sort of stranglehold on the game. And then I think it was around sort of 64, 65 minutes. Kravinovic came on. Um, and obviously we we're absolutely delighted to see him. But it just, I completely, I don't think Bilic got the formation right at the start. And then I think he did uh, to me, I would I would have actually made the change in the first half. I know managers don't like to do it very often, and it and it can be quite embarrassing to make a sub in the first half. But I mean, I think I tweeted. I think a lot of people tweeted the likes of Joe Chapman at the Birmingham Mail, Steve Maidley, and probably probably you as well. When the goal was coming, wasn't it? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, we all knew the goal was coming. It was it, it. Anyone who knows anything about football could say that goal was coming. It felt like so. I don't, I don't really know why he didn't just bite the bullet. And it'd be harsh to hook Carl Edwards off because, he, to be honest, I thought he actually did all right. But it, w- it wouldn't have been a personal thing. It would have been a system thing. Do you think uh, it was, it would think he was less likely to do it because it was Carl Edwards in his first start in the Premier League, wasn't it? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe all those factors come into it. And, and, and you've got to look long term. You don't, I mean, the last, the last thing you want to do is shatter his confidence. But to be honest, I don't think Carl Edwards is that type of lad, really. He's... He's such a happy-go-lucky sort of person. He'd obviously be disappointed, but um, 
I think it could have been explained. I mean, let's be honest, if you take enough Kyle Edwards for Sam Field, I mean, they couldn't be more different types of player, really. I mean, it wouldn't have been anything personal. And I just, yeah, I just think he did make the right change in the end at half-time, but Albion were already 1-0 down. And then uh, I just I just surprised he carried on making changes, really. Um, I just felt like they and, t- and took Robinson off. But... And then when Southampton got the second goal, that was it. It was game out. To be honest, the game was an absolute non-event after that. It sort yeah, of it killed the game completely, didn't it? Killed the game. I mean, it sort of sapped what little belief Albion had and sort of enhanced Southampton's confidence enough to let them see out the game comfortably, really, didn't it? So, mm. but look, he's done an amazing job, Belich. He's abs- and last season his substitutions were absolutely fantastic. He 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 won a hell of a lot more points from the bench, and he's lost. Um, but I just think I just think on Saturday, it wasn't a great day for him. And also, but he said afterwards, um, everything starts with sort of hunger and an, an aggression and a determination to play and defend. And and the players didn't have that. It didn't look like they they, they were they were sort of all off par. Um, and in Billich's defence, when everyone is off par like that, I suppose systems become a little bit secondary um, mm. because. Players have got to perform at the end of the day, no matter what system they're in. But, like I said, I think they would have been given a better chance in in a four three three. Do you think that's potentially the last we see? I mean, I know we're only a couple of games into the season, but is it is that the last we see a four two three one? Because it's 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 all well and good trying to play it, you know, and it say it didn't work against you know one of the top four sides. But this was Southampton, and no disrespect to Southampton, those are one of the teams where. Albion are going into a game thinking, okay, you know, we've got more of a chance of getting points from these. But if it's not working against the likes of Southampton, I know each game's different. But is it a system where you think now it's very unlikely we'll see it again? Joe, it's difficult for me to answer that, and the, re- and the reason why it's difficult is because I'm so so against it. Mm. So I've said before on this podcast, I just don't like the system. I just, uh, as much as I loved watching Albion in it last season when they were just brilliant in it. It's just never the way I would choose to play. Um, and because of that, because I'm so against it, I'm, some, I'm almost really surprised every time I see it. And I'm like, oh, he's going 4 2 3 1 again. I'm a bit, I'm a bit, it's just a personal thing, but I'm a bit taken aback by it. And he definitely does believe in that system. And I, and I think he really likes, I think he really likes having players in their best positions. Um, and I think. Mateus Pereira is very, very good off the right, but ultimately he is probably at his best as a number 10. Um, and obviously it allows Dean Garner to play off the left or right. If you're going to... Matt Phillips or Kamal Grzycki or Kyle Edwards or whoever are natural wingers. So I don't know. I don't know. I think what should be said about um, the Southampton game is that from what I understand, and it is only what I understand, is I think Conor Gallagher was going to start that game. Mm. Uh, but he was unwell and he's now better um, so I think I he, he, fell, he fell unwell on the Friday um, nothing serious he's absolutely fine now but he didn't he wasn't well enough to play and I just wonder if Albion had all week potentially been planning for a 4-3-3 with Conor Gallagher in there and then his absence to, I don't know I don't know I, I could be reading too much into that but I don't know I don't, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see. I, it's not like I said. It's not. It's not the one for me. And I think a lot of fans would like. Would hope that was the end of four two three one. But it does seem to be a system Billich likes. Yeah. Ultimately, I mean, it's it's 
it's sorry to say it, but there are very few positives to take from the game. The only the only one which I mean Bilic said in his post match press conference was the fact that Sam Johnston I mean, he kept it respectable, particularly first half, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and no, I'm really pleased for him because we know he's a keeper that divides opinion, but there's but I don't think anyone disputes that he's a fantastic shot stopper. Um and they were fantastic saves. I mean the set the first one, the double save how he's managed to get a boot on it to keep Che Adams' effort out is remarkable, really. He's got no right making that second one for me. He's got no right, has he? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's without doubt saved a goal. I mean, it's as simple as that. Not as in, like, it's, it's exceptional play to, to, to um, stop a goal. Obviously, if someone has a shot in for 18 yards, it's straight at him, he's stopping a goal. But you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and the Danny Ings header, that's, that was a great save. Yeah. Um, everyone thinks that's him. He couldn't have done any better with that, Danny Ings. It was a fantastic effort from a striker who's in unbelievable form. Um, so, yeah, really, really pleased with Sam Johnston. Really, really pleased with him. Um, so, Bilic made the point afterwards. It's his first season um, in the Premier League. He, um, he does get stick, doesn't he? There's no doubt about it. You look on Twitter, um, people do get stick, but it's his first season in the Premier League. He's adapting to the level, and Bilic thinks... Um, but that performance will give him a lot of belief and a lot of confidence, which is definitely a good thing. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose now it's, you can think of worse times to have an international break. It gives it gives Albion a little bit of a chance to you not know, maybe reset, look at themselves, and say this is where we can improve. Because sometimes you'll go into an international break and you'll have won two or three on the bounce, and everyone will be like, "Oh, we don't. We want the games to keep coming." Equally, there are times when if you just come off a loss and you feel okay, we won a game to try and recover from that straight away. But I think this, I don't know, to me, it just feels like a good time for a break. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad time at all. Um, yeah, I think the Southampton game was so flat and so disappointing that to have two weeks off isn't, isn't a bad thing. I think the big, the big thing about the Southampton game is that it had the team featured no new signings from last mm. season. They had obviously all the Pereira and Garner Keller Robinson, who of course all resigned from being on loan. But there was no Ivanovic, there was no Gallagher. Um, Kravinovic didn't start, although he came on, and there, there was no new striker, if you like. So I've got to say, I think Keller Robinson's done well so far, and I, and I hope he doesn't come straight out of the team. But let's say Albion do sign Carlin Grant, as we expect them to. Um, it could very much be the case that in the next game, we've got Ivanovic at centre half, Gallagher in midfield with Kravinovic and Colin Grant up front or another striker up front. And that's effectively a, a whole new spine. Mm. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's promising. That, that, that is promising. It's exciting. I think Albion do obviously need recruits and they need sort of strengthening up in certain areas. Um, so that's good news. And I think the big thing was with the international break um, was that People like Ivanovic, for example, people like Kravinovic, they've not had any football. Um, so B- Bilic wanted this time. It, it was a, he, could, like, he could have started them against, against Southampton, he could have. Um, but he didn't want to push them and risk mm. them breaking down when he's then got two weeks to real, another further two weeks to get into them and build their fitness. So in some ways, the Southampton game. If the international break had come a week earlier, it would have been a little bit better. Um, yeah. But that was the logic anyway. Um, and I think, I personally think we'll see 
from now on, we'll probably see those four players in the starting lineup. And when you're adding four players to a lineup, that's quite a significant change. Yeah, it definitely is. Last point on the game. Um, we saw how Robson Carnu come on. Fair play to him for sticking it out after what now looks like a, a pretty nasty injury. Um, and it's not ideal to be losing. Admittedly, not someone who's going to, who's going to be starting week in, week out, but he, he he has featured in most games, hasn't he, Hal? And now he's going to be out for a little while. Yeah, well, yeah. Um managed to do this to me every week. So my story tomorrow is that uh, um, he's had his surgery. It's been successful. But as yet, they're not sure how long he's going to be out for. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, there'll be more details in the story tomorrow. So I say more than someone will write a story and pull it on one of the fan websites. And I'll uh, be scooped to my own exclusive. But uh, it's, not, uh, <laughs> it's not ideal. It's, I mean, there's better things to do as a journalist, isn't there, than get scooped to your own Yeah, yeah, story. exactly. Um, but yeah, he's, um, it's, a, it's a shame. It's a shame. But it's a shame. But you'd like to think that um, Albion, well, Albion will sign a striker before the deadline next week. And then he would probably be third choice then anyway. So it's a blow. And we all know I, I absolutely love Robson Carney, But Albion should be able to get through his absence if you like yeah um so that wasn't i mean it wasn't all that exciting and th- and, and thrilling was it uh, i tell you it definitely wasn't uh transfer deadline day i mean deadline day number one so to speak this this summer slash autumn um it was a real non-event especially for albin wasn't it um i mean i've said the only thing worse than deadline day for me is deadline day that isn't a deadline day. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I know, and I'm talking purely as a journalist. When I was a fan, I loved it. Um, but it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare um, in my job. It really is. Um, it really, really is. Um, and it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. Because, look, if I... If, ever, if you could just say to everyone, look, Albion are going to sign either Carl and Grant or Josh King. They're the strikers they're going for. We're going to bring one in. Worst case scenario, Andre Gray or Troy Deeney before the deadline. Everyone would have been all right. Oh, I hope we get Grant. Oh, I hope we get King. Oh, I hope we don't end up with Gray or Deeney. With the greatest respect to them, although I think both of them do offer, some, will offer something. But it was that... Just because that clock was ticking on Sky Sports News, everyone was like in a, such a fluster that they had to make signings that day. Yeah. That day, um, when they just don't like, they have to make signings by. They have to bring in a striker before October the sixteenth. We know the market Albion are shopping in. We know what it is. They did have some European alternatives. Um, obviously, they have now gone by the wayside. But from what we understand, is um, Carl and Grant has been. Albion's number one target forever. And in the last sort of week or so, it's become actually fiends, feasible to get Josh King. I'm not saying they're going to get Josh King. I'm just saying that whereas in the, a week ago, two weeks ago, it looked like that deal would be beyond a lot of clubs. Now suddenly it's not. He's, he's, it looks like Bournemouth are looking for, not have, have like moved the parameters and they're looking for a fairly sensible deal. Um, something that could get, Albion could potentially do maybe so 
I don't know. It was just an odd day. It was an odd, odd day. Um, and really, people were losing their heads for absolutely no reason because it wasn't deadline day. Deadline day is on Friday. Uh, it was just, it was just ridiculous. I hope it never happens again. I, I hope we just have one deadline day. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a massive fan of of the way it was all. Like, just it just seems weird to me having two separate kind of ones where the deadline day just gone was more for like the Premier League clubs who were willing to spend money and going abroad. And then you've still got like transfer rumours kind of flying about, but then some clubs have done most of their business and don't really care. And other, other clubs are kind of like scratching around trying to sort stuff out. And it's just, it's all a bit weird. Um, but regardless, uh, the, the deadline, which you don't like, it came and it went and Albion literally did no business all day. And, I think it's made worse by the fact for Albion fans that they look to their very near neighbours in Aston Villa and Wolves. And I know neither of those clubs did deals on the day, but they've spent a lot of money um, this window and Albion just haven't. Yeah, great, great. I mean, yeah, yeah. Def- I think it does make it worse that Villa and Wolves are obviously splashing the cash. Um Although, I'm not just being anti-Wolves, but we'll see how they go, because personally, I don't think... I think they've had a pretty poor window. I, think I, know. I mean, I, I haven't watched them in ages. I watched them against West Ham. Oh, my God. I mean, I wish we'd played them that night, because anyone was going to beat them that night. Anyone was... They were awful. Um, and I've not seen them against Fulham, but apparently they weren't much better. I mean, they scraped by Fulham, and Fulham looked poor in all their previous games. Um, it doesn't help. It doesn't help um, that they're spending money. I think the whole... I, I, it's a factor. It's a factor. I think the general factor is... Um, I think it's Sky Sports News, to be honest, and Twitter, and that clock, and people feeling they need to be involved in deadline day, and they need their club to be doing business, and the drama of it. It's like they want to be involved. Um, and I think, I, I think that's, I, that's the one for me. Um, I've got to say, Sky Sports News has gone out the window. Did I say this last week? Absolutely dreadful. Absolutely shocking, some of the stuff that comes on there now. The ridiculous transfer shows. I think I did say this last week. Are just an absolute... I think they're dreadful. Some of them um, are very questionable, aren't they? And then, also, they've gone away from being... relying on their Sky sources and stuff. They're willing to talk about stuff that like anyone saying really yeah they're just to increase the speculation they, they actually say it's carvey solohol isn't it their sort of main guy and i saw him do a segment on a player being linked to a club i can't remember who it was and he was saying these are unconfirmed we haven't shored this up this is just something that's out there and i'm like well mate you're a journalist shore it up if you want to talk about it on national tv Shore it up. Otherwise, talk about something else. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely. I think. I, I mean. I'm just. I, I, shut me up, Luke. Because I'm going off on one here. Uh, but I just find. Well, why that, would I stop you, Joe? Why would I stop you? I just think it's absolutely mental. I think that channel. I used to love that channel. I used to absolutely love it. But I think it's gone downhill so quickly. It has. I. I, th- I do think there is a place for talking about like conjecture and. You know, we. I mean, even we do it, Joe, where we say, "Oh, these are the players which Albion like could go for." Whether it be, you know, yeah, a transfer or you know, you start looking at certain strikers. 
but it's got to the point at times, um, and I don't mean to like just target Sky because there are a number of different um, publications and stuff that do it. They'll hear something and straight away it's online. It's like, oh, okay, let's talk about it. It's, this this could be happening, and in reality, it's it's a, it's something that's been fed to them by someone. There's no real substance behind it, and yet, I mean, all of a sudden it's a thing when it isn't, and it's like, it's it's very much a matter of a lot of publications and a lot of like broadcasters see speed over accuracy uh, when it should really be the other way. Yeah, I think a lot of it, I do just think generally Sky have made poor decisions editorially. I think they've decided to go down that route, but the, like the websites and stuff, a lot of them are, they, they generate their money through clicks. So, yeah. And they will get money from people, and people just hoover up transfer news, don't they? They literally hoover it up. Um, so they'll get clicks by saying something, and that's why you get so many false rumours. Uh, there was one, at the, there was one in, earlier in the season, I remember, um, a, a, someone did a story on Albion want Joe Rodon at Swansea. Now, he's a, he's a, he's a really good player, and he's sort of like, I did, a, I did like four centre-backs to look at for the paper, and, I, and he, is a, he sort of seems a realistic target, if you know what I mean. Like, it seems a logical one. Yeah. But he's going to Tottenham now, it looks like. But there was, I don't think there was anything ever in that, but they said it, and it, it was just to get people to click that thing, that, that link, and there's a lot of that out there, a lot of that out there. But there we go. Yeah, there is. Um Let's talk transfers as well, because like you said, the, the real transfer deadline day for Albion is is what? Is, is it, you said it's next Friday, is that right? So you've got eight days now. Yeah. Is there any movement on on a striker? Carl and Grant, obviously the, the big one, and there were reports which were kind of uh, washed off this morning anyway, saying that there'd been a breakthrough, but then apparently there hasn't been. Is, is, has there been any movement? Um, it doesn't feel... So the Carl and Grant situation, as I understand it, is still we're very much in the stage of who's going to blink first, Albion or, or Huddersfield. Um, it's a difficult one because Albion need a striker and Huddersfield need the money. Um, you'd imagine that the need for money is actually more greater than the need for a striker. Obviously, Albion need a striker. Um, but at the end of the day, they'll... Pay their Doesn't bills. The yeah, level of the club. yeah, exactly. Um, there does feel, and I've I've been writing this for the last couple of days, that there is a general acceptance that the deal will eventually be done. Um, there does feel that air to it, but until it's done, it's done. So it's not done. So um, we're waiting. We're waiting for this breakthrough. Huddersfield's uh, CEO came out the other day, talked about finances, talked about how how tough it was for them, even though they get parachute payments this year. Um, the money Albion have got on the table is not to be sniffed at. I know it's a sort of, we think it's a five million, six million pound loan fee um, with sort of a deal to buy at the end of the season, but it's a lot of money. Um, it's a lot of money for a championship club. Um, so we'll see, we will see, but I do. I still expect it to be done. I hope it's done because I think it's who Billich wants, and from what I understand, Carlin Grant really wants to come. The other interesting thing about it is you don't hear any other people linked. No. Um, 
it seems very much like Albion are really the only club in for him. It's not like Josh King where, let's be honest, I think a whole host of clubs are in for him. West Ham at the latest. Villa, Villa were linked with him at one point as well. Um, I mean, he is a player, after all, that was linked to Man United in January. I mean, Man United's transfer strategy leaves a lot to be desired. But, yeah, so... We expect it to be done one week to go, essentially, as we record this, a week and a day. Um, I really hope it does get done for everyone, because um, I think it's what everyone wants, really. Yeah, it's, it does seem to suit all parties. Um, is there anything in the Josh King stuff? Because we saw reports of him as well. Yeah, yeah, I've shored up Josh King. Um, definitely, definitely been talks with um, Albion and Bournemouth over Josh King. Um, yeah, from what we understand... Um, Bournemouth are actually being very, very reasonable um, with what they're asking. Um, well, he's in the last year of his deal now, isn't he? Yeah, he's in the last year of his contract, yeah. It's obviously abundantly clear he wants to go. Um, they want, I think they want, a, I think from what we hear, they want a deal worth £10 million. Um, mm. Albion, by look, there's no reason why Albion couldn't use the loan fee that they're willing to pay for Grant to pay half that money and pay the rest in instalments. I don't think they would be would Bournemouth be up for that? I don't know. You'd have to ask them. But it's definitely a reasonable proposal when you consider what Bournemouth actually want for the player. I mean, the vast, vast majority of deals are a lump sum up front and add-ons and instalments over time. So it certainly suddenly seems like a deal that is possible. Um, the issue is, would someone like West Ham come in and say, we'll give you £8 million up front and £2 million in instalments? Maybe. Yeah. Um, and the issue is, does Josh King want to sign for West Brom? And look, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this. I cannot believe I'm saying it. But our West Ham at this moment in time, as we record this podcast on the 8th of October or whatever it is, are they a more attractive proposition than Albion? Um, I mean, you'd argue, you look at the table and the table says they are. You look at the table and the table says they are. Um, they've won the last two games. And... It's London, London Pool, closer to the south where he must be, where he's obviously based now. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think the Josh King deal was always a hard deal to do because of the options he's going to have. Um, but definitely Albion are in their fight, and of course they are. They'd be silly not to be. But um, I think I think Colin Grant will be the player that arrives. Well, ultimately, we're talking about this, and the real issue behind the club and the transfer strategy it isn't to do with Luke Dowling it's not to do with Slavin Bilic um, it's to do with Grouch and Lai isn't it and it's a situation in which I mean you could kind of say you, can, you could kind of try and sugarcoat it however you want but Dowling and Bilic are both having to try and manage with as little money as, as possible and it, it does come down to Lai doesn't it yeah, um, I think so. And I put a comment piece out today. Um, um, and I, and I'd, I'd sort of welcome the podcast today to sort of explain why I wrote what I wrote and why I, wrote, why, why I decided to do a comment piece online this morning. And it was essentially that um, we were inundated, absolutely inundated, the Express and Star last week. The, we've got sort of a generic sports email um, address. And... About 10, 15 Albion fans clubbed together um, and they bombarded the, um, the, the, the sort of 
universal email address with emails about uh, Gouch and Lai and how unhappy they are um, with his ownership of the club and, the, and, and his lack of investment. And, and, I, uh, and my issue, and I've spoken to a few of the people who sent the, sent the emails, my issue with a lot of it was, was, was the anger that they had and some of the terminology they used in those emails. They sort of used words, we are, some of them used the words, we are disgusted with the way he's treating the club and this, that and the other, and they haven't strengthened at all and this, that. And, and, and I find that frustrating. And I think I am in a fortunate position where I'm slightly closer to the club than, than a lot of fan, than fans are, only, only marginally really. I mean, I'm, I'm no insider, mm. but I am, I am closer. And, what, what I get to do in my job is see people for human beings, really, and, and, and see them for what they are. And I mean, that is, that is hard with lie because he's practically anonymous. But I think I just want to explain my reason for that story and, and what I understand the situation to be and what I believe the situation to be. Um, and I don't think there should be anger there or, or, or disgust, as people say. I don't think it needs to be that strong. Um, but what I think has happened is... I think from what, I've, from what I hear, Gouch and Lai is football mad. Absolutely football mad. Um, apparently got his offices in China. They're all kitted out with football chairs and football tables. And he's, foot, he, he's, re, he's, he, he, he loves, he's very into his football. Very, very into his football. Mm. Um, what I understand is Gouch, to, to, I've said this before, but to be a billionaire in China is completely different to be a billionaire in the UK. If you're a billionaire in assets, in China, you get this billionaire status. Um, if you are a billion, if you've got a billion pounds in the bank, you get it in England. Um, that status. I, I genuinely, genuinely don't believe Gouch and Lai has got an awful lot of money. I think he's a businessman, and I think he bought Albion because he likes football and because he really liked the idea of owning a football club, and because he was he was sold them. His advisors sold them the club to him based on that they've been in the Premier League for a long time, they were established there, they didn't really, they, and, and they would be there for a very long time. They didn't see it as a club that would get relegated. Yeah. Um, and he believed that he could keep, he could buy Albion, maybe enjoy a couple of years of being a Premier League owner and the kudos that that comes with in China um, and enjoy it and then sell them for a profit. Essentially, it was a, it was a business deal. Um, now, obviously what happened then was Albion spent a hell of a lot, Lai got burnt, he spent a hell of a lot of money on players who weren't very good essentially, Nasser Chadley being sort of the prime example. And Albion did go down. And the money Lai paid for the club, suddenly it was worth a lot less. He couldn't, he couldn't sell it for what he bought it for. Now, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to criticise him for not wanting to sell something at the price he bought it for. I think that's completely understandable. Um, you can't expect him just to take a massive loss on something. It's just no one would do it in everyday life. They just wouldn't. So you wouldn't, uh, be a, you wouldn't be a good businessman if you did it. You wouldn't be a good businessman. Too. And, I, and, and I think the bottom line is, is I don't think he can afford to. From what I hear, um, and it's not easy to do stories online. It's not like I get to speak to him. It takes time. You have to dig stuff. It takes months if I want to do a story on Gouch and Lai, really. Um, but from what we understand, he is—he isn't—he hasn't got million. He's not—he's not got all this money in the bank. I actually don't think 
he can invest in Albion at this moment in time. I don't think he doesn't want to. I genuinely believe he can't. I don't think he's cash rich. Um, and I don't want to be critical of someone for not having the money to invest. I haven't got six million pounds, so I'm not going to invest six million pounds in Albion. I can't knock him for that. Um, and this is what, uh, so I'm not, I'm not angry with Gouch and Lai or disgusted by him because Albion have been relegated and the club is worth less money and he can't sell it for what he bought it for. I'm not angry with him because if he hasn't got the money, he can't pull it in. Um, so all that, I don't think, there's no malice there. I don't think I'm getting my words out very well, but anyway, we'll, we'll keep going. Um, I don't think there's any malice there on his part, but there's no doubt that this hasn't worked out and now it feels like he's stuck with Albion and Albion has stuck with him because it's the coronavirus pandemic and Pete, Pete who's going to buy West Brom? Who is yeah, going to buy luck. them? I was going to say, good luck finding a buyer for a football club right now. It's going to be near on impossible to find a buyer for a football club right now. And I've got, I, in my, I've got no doubt he'd love to sell. If someone came along now and offered him the money that he put in, he would go. He would absolutely go. Um, but no one's going to. No one's going to at this, at this moment in time. They just aren't going to do it. Where I am frustrated with Lai is the fact that he bought the club in the first place. And this, and this is what I'm, I was trying to get across in my piece. I, I completely understand the model where you're self-sufficient. And, and, and the piece I've put out this morning, it has had a bit of criticism. I think the vast majority of people agree with it, but people have criticised it and, say, and said... We, we understand the logic of being run self-sufficiently. And I've got to say, so do I. I completely get that. And football is this horrible bubble of money that you can't help but feel is going to go pop one day, maybe sooner or later with everything that's happened with coronavirus. My frustration is that I, I don't think Albion needs a lot. I don't think Albion fans are asking for a lot from Lai. I think people look at the squad now and say... We probably need a fullback, ideally a fullback that can play both sides, and we need a defensive midfielder. And the point I made in my piece is that Wolves signed that Brazilian fullback for £1.8 million. I think they're two positions that wouldn't cost the earth, and Bilic has got unbelievable contacts across Europe. If you gave him six, seven, eight million pounds, I genuinely believe six, if you gave him six million quid, I reckon he could find a fullback and a defensive midfielder. And that's my issue, it's that he needs, I don't think he needs, I think everyone would be fairly happy with the window. If they got those two players, I don't think anyone would be hypercritical. I just, I just think now we're watching the games and we can all visibly see where they need to improve. And I just think if he had that, um, it would make an absolutely massive difference. And I don't blame Lai. If Lai hasn't got the money, I don't blame him for not giving it, not putting it forward because he can't. I understand that. But it does frustrate me that he bought the club in the first place, um, not being able to make that kind of investment maybe. Because when Wolves and when Villa are going to put in so much cash, to ask for, I mean, £6 million in football is absolutely nothing. To ask for that and to give Bilic and Dowling more of a fighting chance. I personally think Albion fans are being hard done to. Um, and I do stand by that. And, and, and my big worry with it all, and the overriding message from the piece I was trying to get out is, the truth is, it's going to be Slavon Bilic that's judged on this team. 
and it's going to be, and secondary, it's going to be Luke Dowling. They're the ones, everyone will, lie will come third to them. He will, he just simply will. Um, and they'll be the ones that take the flack on Twitter and they'll be the ones that get criticised and everyone will call for, so if, if, if things go wrong, everyone will call for like the board to do more. But for me, I don't see how they could possibly have done any better with the money they've had at their disposal. I genuinely, genuinely, I'm not saying that to suck up to them or any, I, I genuinely don't feel if we think they've spent about 20 million pounds. If, if they get Carlin Grant, say, we think they'll have spent about 20 million pounds and for 20 million pounds, they'll have got Dean Garner, Robinson, Gallagher, Kravinovic, Ivanovic, Kipra, Button and Grant. And I'll tell you what, if those two men weren't there, Albion would have got nowhere near that for 20 million quid. Nowhere near it. And that's what concerns me, um, is, is that if Albion do struggle this season, and I, I'm not saying they will, because I, I think we've seen some signs that they can definitely compete at the level, but if they do, then I just think those two are going to be hung out to dry. And I, and I don't think it's fair, because I think, I think they've got... I do genuinely believe they've got one hand tied behind the back. I agree with you. And you look at the money, like you said, Villa spent twenty million on a goalkeeper this summer. It says everything. It does say everything, but you're right in the fact that Albion fans really it's it's a tough one because everyone everyone has their different thoughts on their own football club. But the anger should be at the situation, not necessarily directed at someone. Although one thing I will say, if you're Grouch and Lie, buying a football club and it was no different when he bought it. In the Premier League, just to stand still, you've got to spend money. Yeah, he, sh okay. he should have been advised of that, or he should have known that when he was doing it. Um, and not doing it, he's done a little bit of a disservice to the club by by purchasing it. Like you said, if you did, if you'd have known, and we never know, things may well have been different had they not spent the money they did on the players that they did. Um. And then that season where they went down and everything seemed to go wrong. Things may have been different, but ultimately, it's every season is a little bit of a gamble. Like Things can happen and teams can go down and, and there are real ramifications to that. And like you said, lie for me, he should have been advised more or known more about the business, had him bought into it. Um, yeah, I just like I don't I don't like the anger towards lie because coronavirus has, has impacted everyone. We don't know what finances he's got. He obviously hasn't got as much money as previously been reported. Or I think there's a massive issue. Reported two point eight billion. Yeah, in but, but, yeah, but there's a massive issue between this this thing about a billionaire in the UK and a, and a billionaire in China. It is massively different, and it and it's not understood at all. So we see the word billionaire, and he, and he just isn't a billionaire. Um, and if, if his businesses have been like a struggling for coronavirus or any other reason or not struggling, but maybe not as profitable as they wanted should be or used to be or once were, I've got no problem with him not putting the money forward. We can't blame someone for not having the funds. But it just seems incredibly harsh to me when you've bought a football club. I get, I get the argument it can be self-sufficient, but it's very, very reasonable and it will happen at the vast majority of football clubs for a manager to be able to go to the board and say, we just need a little bit more. 
We yeah. just need a little bit more. Um, and the problem is Albion have got a board that do a great job, but they're all then answering to lie. And those board members want more money. Luke Dowling wants more money. They all, they all want... Um, they all want more money. So I just find it... I, I sympathise with like that he can't give them money. I just, I just don't like this argument that he said that from the outset he always wanted to run the club as being self-sufficient because you've got to have just some room for a little bit of flexibility. It's not too much to ask for Slavin to say, can I have six million quid? Can I have an extra six? He can't do it. I don't think he can do it. Fair enough. But if he can't do that, I, he shouldn't be the owner. He shouldn't have bought it. Um, and, but like we say, it's now a massive marriage of inconvenience. I'm sure he'd go if he could. Let's be honest, we'd, we'd like him to go. Not anything personal, but because we want an owner who could, at the very worst, give that sort of six million, give that little bit of leeway. Um, and that's, why, and that's why I reiterate, that's why I do think everyone deserves a little bit better, really. I think Billich deserves better, Dowling deserves better. I think the fans deserve better. Because I do think the vast majority of fans would accept the window. I think they'd be pleased with the window if they brought in a fullback and a defensive midfielder. I, th yeah. I think they would say, yeah, we're, we're giving it as much as a go as we can here, really. But to me, it does look like there's gaps in the squad. Shall we get on to questions? Yeah, let's get on to questions. I've had my lie rant. No problem. Uh, first one comes from Dan Nash. Yet more tactical flip-flopping from Slav against, South against Southampton. An ongoing theme since after lockdown. Why can't he just decide on a formation and stick to it? Why ditch the 3-4-3 just as the team was getting used to it and had achieved a result against Chelsea? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, we touched on it earlier, um, formations and Billich's decisions at Southampton. Billich was asked, Steve Madeley asked a question at the presser before Southampton. Um, basically, now you've got Kravinovic, now you've got Gallagher. Um, are you going to go back to four, like the systems we saw last season? 4-2-3-1 and 4-3-3. And I didn't really sort of, I genuinely thought, we were talking about it, and I genuinely thought he'd stick with 3-4-3 three, three at Southampton. Mm. Um, and then I listened back to his answer, Billich, and he made it abundantly clear that he went 3-4-3, three, three, essentially because of the personnel he had at his disposal. He went, yeah, 3 and it was, you, could, you could tell by listening back, he was changing it at Southampton. Um, he was going to four at the back. I thought it would be 4-3-3, three, three, but you could tell he was, he, he was going 4-3, he was going to ditch it. He was going to ditch 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, I think it was, um, yeah, like I said, I, I mean, I probably would have gone 4 3 3 and ditched it, or I would have been happy to stay 3 4 3. Um, I, think every, I think everyone underestimated Southampton a little bit. Mm. Um, we were all guilty of it, God knows I was. Um, and like we said before, they, the best they can hope for this season, probably. I'm not doing them a disservice. They'll probably finish eighth, isn't it? That's the best they can hope for. Yeah. Seventh, eighth. That would be a fantastic season for them. It'd be out of this world if they got seventh. Out of this world if they got seventh. So we're looking at eighth, really. If, every, if Southampton, everything goes for them. They have a brilliant year. They finish seventh. Oh, eighth, sorry. 
Chelsea, Leicester, Everton are all going to finish top six. Yeah. So it was a team of a different class. It was, they, were, they are in the bracket down from what they've played. Um, and I think, South, I think Billich set up to attack Southampton and, and, and be like, this is how good we can be and let's take the game to them. Let's show them our, we've, let's show them our qualities. And it didn't work. They, they, they were far too good on the day. Far, far, far too good. Um, and I think maybe, well, maybe, maybe it's a lesson going forward. Maybe away from home, um, a three-four-three, which becomes a five-four-one without the ball, is the way to go. Um, maybe it is. Um, I just think. Could you, could you say? I mean, I'm just talking out loud. But could you say that Albion showed Southampton lack of respect? On Sunday, maybe. Uh, I, mean, I think you possibly could. Um, whereas maybe, yeah. So I don't know. I just think that I'd like I said at the right at the start. I think Billich had a bad day. Um, but hope hopefully I learned for it. And I and I and I'm not against the three four three. And I'm and obviously I'm massively in favour of four three three. I feel like I'm saying a lot of numbers. Yeah. Um, have you seen that? And it's completely off topic. Have you seen that skills assessment thing the government do? No. So, so you know, like people who were like uh, musicians or artists or performers, they're, they're currently not making any money because of coronavirus. So they've set up this thing where you can put in what you like to do, what type of person you are. And I thought, oh, I'll fill this out just to see what <laughs> the government would suggest that I do for a living. Um, and there's a question that says, do you like working with numbers? And I click, no, strongly disagree. Do you know what, do you know what it suggested that I do? Accountant. Exactly that. No way. Financing, business or accountant. What do you do? What do you do? What, am I go- what do I need to Google? Government. It's like a skills assessment. Government skills assessment. It's like, top, it's like a top Google. Yeah, it's got like, I'm not going to lie to you, it takes like five or six minutes to fill it out. Um, <laughs> and it, it, there, was, there was some people that was brilliant, it was telling them they should be like a professional boxer. It's like, you can't just, you, can't just, you, you don't just stick a CV through a door and become a professional boxer. Go discover your skills. Yeah, exactly. Discover your skills and careers, I'm going to do it. Are you going to fill this out on air? No, no, not on air, no. Oh, right, okay. Oh, that would have been good Good podcast banter, though. Um but yeah, that was just one because you don't like dealing with numbers. Apparently, I don't, but apparently I should be an accountant. Um, I would not let you look after my finances. Oh, no, I can't even look after my own, man. <laughs> you don't want to see the bank account come like, the day before payday. You can't even do the, the maths to work out how much sleep you need if you're going to travel to Southampton and back in a day. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, Tom Hun, uh, with no Albion fixtures scheduled for TV for next month, are the club paying to offer streams? This is an important issue, isn't it? Because um, obviously, when the when the league got going, there was a deal involved, like the Premier League and broadcasters saying that every game would be on the box. That's run out. Yeah, I'm absolutely. I mean, I don't know is the honest answer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to not have an answer. I really am, because it is an important issue, and I'll have to. I, I promise I'll find out. I promise I'll find out. I just. I just haven't looked into it. I'm sorry. You're a busy man, mate. I'll forgive you. Yeah. Um, just been, yeah. Life's a lot easier when the transfer window closes. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot uh, more difficult when there's two. And then I'm repeating myself. Transfer deadline. That's all right, mate. That's all right. Don't worry. Ryan Glasgow. Yeah, this is a great question. Luke is going round to Sir Massey's for dinner. What three-course meal are you serving him, Joe? I can't cook up anything, mate. My, my, my wife does all the cooking in our house. Literally all of the cooking. So what am I getting? Well, she's a good cook, mate. She's a good cook. Yeah, but, but what am I getting? Well, if it was up to me? Yeah. Well, if it was up to me, then you would get... I mean, you wouldn't even get a starter because I've never made a starter in my life. What? Um, you'd get a pizza for dinner. Oh, please don't tell me it's a frozen pizza. Oh, yeah, that's all I do. Oh, but I tell you, like, if, um, if you really want me to cook, I could um, do you some pasta with a dolmio sauce, put a bit of Ugh. grated cheese on it for you. Uh, that is grim. Oh, I enjoy that. Um, and then I whatever pudding you want, really, whatever pudding you can pick up the shelf in a supermarket. <laughs> I can't, mate, I can't cook anything. I don't, I can't cook. Uh, I'd make you a mean bowl of cornflakes. Oh, that's worse than what I've offered you. I'm joking. I'm, I, I, I'd cook you a steak, like a really good steak. Would it be really good, though? Or would you? Oh, mate, you do not know my steak cooking skills. I'm great on a barbecue as well. I'm not, like, I'm not a good cook, but I'm great on a barbecue. What's my starter? Chicken wings. Mm. Oh, yeah. You sound <laughs> like the sound of that, don't you? I'm in, yeah. I mean, the dessert, I'll let my missus do it because she does cakes and stuff. Um, next question uh, comes from... Thanks for that. Jaff Jaffy Ryder. <laughs> I'm picking some great ones today. Who would win between a fight? Uh, well, who would win in a fight between a badger and a baboon? 100% uh, a baboon. A baboon? Oh, yeah, baboon's brutal, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's um a place in Stoke called Trentham Gardens. Have you heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of it. I went to uni in Stoke. That's where I graduated. Oh right, well there's like a, a, a like a monkey place there. Oh yeah, yeah, the um monkey forest. Monkey forest. Have you been there? Uh, I've not actually been, but you can like walk around. The monkeys all walk around, you don't know. Yeah, we've been a couple of times with my little girl because she just loves animals. Uh, but they fight. Sometimes they fight, and mate, they're nasty. Oh, yeah. Um, they are nasty. There's not, no rules in a monkey fight. Absolutely none. <laughs> so I, I would say a baboon. I would not fight a baboon. I fancy a baboon against most animals. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's like if there's a scrap in the street, like there's a kind of an unwritten rule, and uh, that it happens, but it, oftentimes it's very much frowned upon. If someone goes down, they're kind of left. Like you, 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 They get up, and then you carry on. But baboon, nah. If you go down, the baboon's not stopping. If you say baboon a fair few, you can't, a fair few times, you can't not smile. I like the word. <laughs> I like the word baboon. It's a good word. It's a good word. Yeah, it's a good name for an animal, that is. Um, Chris Adams, this is a proper question. Uh, do you think there'll be any repercussions on Pereira for liking a lie-out comment on social media? Did you see that? I uh, did, yeah. Um, I'm not on Instagram, but uh, anything half decent on Instagram gets tweeted, doesn't it? Um, pretty much. So. Oh, I'd, I'd follow you straight away if you're on Instagram, mate. Oh, thanks, mate. Uh, I'm not going to, though. I'm not going to go on. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I've not. I've not asked the question. I'm not going to really. Um, it was a bit. I wonder if that like make it does make you feel. Based on my rant about lie a minute ago, do the players feel the same? Do they feel like, come on, mm. just give us a bit more? Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Will he get in trouble for it? I think he's unliked it, hasn't he? Well, that's the thing. You could always just say, oh, I just, I just accidentally double-tapped it. Like Joey and Lescott accidentally... Uh, what did he do? I mean, I mean, pocket-tweeting a picture of a car after a 6-1 thrashing at the hands of Liverpool. Yeah. Um, I think it was 6-1. It might have been 8-1. God knows. But they made up for it the other day anyway. Um, uh, it's slightly different to like an... Like, you can accidentally... like. Yeah, yeah, it could have accidentally... I don't think you can accidentally... Find a photo. The fact that he's unliked it would probably suggest that maybe someone's had a word with him. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we don't know, do we? Don't know. We don't know. Um, Albion News Gaming, what ground, other than the Hawthorns, is your favourite? That we've... Other than the Hawthorns. I, I've obviously got a natural liking for Villa Park, but um, so Spurs is good. You know which one I really like and I think is really is, is perfectly suited to the club? Go on. The Amex. Oh, Brighton? Yeah, yeah it's, everyone it's raves about perfect. that. But I haven't been there yet. It's, I tell you what, it's great on so many different levels. It's easy to get to despite being a million miles away. Um, the press facilities are fantastic. The people are lovely. But also, it's perfect for the size of the fan base. Like, it always seems full, and the away end is top-notch. I mean, I've not been there as a fan, but having witnessed fans there a couple times, it is absolutely top-notch, because you get a whole end to yourself. It's all, like, away fans. And when a goal goes in, if, you, if your team are kicking towards you anyway, absolutely great atmosphere. Oh, that sounds good. It's, it's, just, it's just a perfect little ground. I mean, Spurs is really good, and it's amazing, and getting to go there is brilliant because it's just brand new and it's bloody huge uh, but Brighton for me nice I'll let you take that question then you don't you don't want to you don't want to I don't know which one would be I don't know which one um, I like Hillsborough but I don't know why feels very I like it yeah Hillsborough, Hillsborough gets a bad rap sometimes if that place was full it would be really good um, West Brom Opinions and Polls says pick one King or Grant Oh, it's tough, that. I'm going to go Grant. It's, it's hard because King's got Premier League experience, but Grant's obviously, I, I want to say he's a bit younger. I haven't actually checked that. Um, Grant's younger, yeah. I think King's 27 and Grant's 23. Yeah. I think for the Albion project, I think Grant's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Do you buy replica shirts all the time or only when you really like it or never? If not, what was the last one you bought? Says all Albion fans. I buy a yearly replica shirt. Do you? Yeah, but they're Villa shirts, so you won't like it. Um, also buy one for every major tournament and it doesn't. it's not always in England. That was probably what I do. Although I don't think I did for the... I don't think... I didn't, I didn't for the last tournament. I bought two for the last tournament. I bought a Brazil away... Um, with Gabriel Jesus on the back and I bought an England one which doesn't have a name or number nice 
Yeah, I don't buy club shirt. I bought, obviously got my little girl an album kit. Um, yeah, you couldn't help yourself, could you? But, um, yeah, I buy England ones. Yeah, that's about it, really. Okay, how long you got left? I need, well, just wrap it as soon as you can. How many do you want to do? Five minutes maximum. Five minutes, okay. Um, Andrew Weller, based on Luke's meal at Southampton, which I don't know if you oh, saw. Oh, I've got five show. minutes left and we're going to talk about food. Top three Marks and Spencer sandwiches. Ryan's chicken and bacon. BLT. And... I'm not sure if this is uh, Marks and Spencer, but they do chicken and avocado. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. <laughs> um, which striker do you think the board will choose to sign and why is it Danny Welbeck says Troy? <laughs> uh, you love I Danny I can't Welbeck, believe you've kept me on for this. Um, no, I love Welbeck, I absolutely love it. It was a big running joke in the office about how much I love Danny Welbeck. Um, and Andros Townsend, uh, funnily enough, um, have uh, well and truly um, made my feelings on both of them known. I think they're quality players. Um, yeah, I really like what I mean. I don't think they're going to sign Danny Welbeck. Is there an art? It's just the injury record, isn't it? It's just the injury yeah. record. Um, he's on, he'll be on high wages as well. Oh, he's on 100k a week. But I mean, whether he could actually claim that, I don't think he could ask for that anymore. Um, no. With, his, with, with the record he's had. Um, I, I, look, I, I'm talking as an England fan more than... I've seen Danny Welbeck play for England a hell of a lot more than I've seen him play for Arsenal and Watford. I saw him a fair bit for Man United. Um, it, to me, he never let England down. He was always fantastic. He always did a job for England, um, normally out on the left. Um, I think he's a really good player. But he's... he's He's a bit of a crock, isn't he? He's even better on the treatment table. He's even better on the treatment table. So, if you could say to me, this is a, this is a bit controversial. Well, not controversial. If you said to me, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I think if you could keep Danny Welbeck fit, if you guaranteed me he was fit. He gives you 25 games, take him or leave him. No, I'm not taking anyone on 25 games. I want, I, I want 33 games maximum. Min 32 and a half. <laughs> You're such an idiot. <laughs> All right, for the sake of argument, 32 and a half. But, um, mind you, we've played four. Uh, yeah. Um, if you said to me, Wabak on a free, he plays your 30 games, and then you can use the money you've got to buy a right back in a midfield, I'd be tempted. Oh. Uh... But I can't, you can't guarantee that fitness. The next one from official guy E. Uh, should Albion be looking into free agents on a page you play to bolster their squad? If so, who? Um, one who just came available is Jack Wilshire. Yeah, I don't think they need Jack Wilshire to be honest. I think that's at I think uh, I think that's at least the at least the. I mean, look, they've got ball playing midfielders in Soyuz and Krivinovic um, and Gallagher. So definitely not him. I'd be happy. I'd be delighted with Nathaniel Klein on a page you play. Yeah. Uh, but it seems very likely he's going to um, Palace. Only Palace? Um, who have got an abundance of right-backs, you know. Yeah. They've got Martin Kelly, Joel Ward, Nathan Ferguson, and looks like Nathaniel Klein. So, hell of a lot of right-backs. Um, there's this Spanish midfielder, I forget his name now, I put him in four to look at. He's a defensive midfielder. Played for Espanyol last season. Um 
looks all right. Defensive midfielder, two caps for Spain, 240 mm. games in the league. I can't remember his name, but I did do a is There is on our website. Um, Antonio Valencia is a free agent. Oh, yeah. I think he'd be all right at right back. Not particularly young, is he? No, not young. <laughs> he's not young. Um, but I'm just thinking of options. Um, yeah. I'm talking, I'm talking about the right back thing. I, I just, I'm a massive fan of Dar Roche. A massive fan of him. And I think post lockdown, he really coped well with the pressure Albion's players are under. He really. Albion weren't great post lockdown. We've gone into the reasons why. The promotion meant so much, potentially people losing their jobs. And, but I think O'Shea was fantastic in that period. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. I think long term, he's a centre back. And I, I've got to be honest, I'm a bit. I really, I really am fond of him and I am a bit uncomfortable with him sort of learning his trade at right back in the Premier League. I, 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 just, I, part, I do think it's unfair on him. Um, it is, to be fair. Um, so, I just think his, his future is so bright and he's going to be such a big player for Albion for many years to come. I just don't want him to lose heart, really, um, mm. by struggling a bit of right back in the Premier League because it's not his position, if we're being honest. Are you done or do you want one more serious question? Uh, go on, quick, quick, quick. What is Bilic's issue with Grzycki? Ask a couple of people and not helped by the fact that he scored a hat-trick last night. Yeah, I don't think he's got a particular issue with him. I, I just think it's strange one really because Bilic said when he signed him that he's been so keen to get him sort of before in his career and how much he admires him. There's been one or two question marks about his performances and training, I think. Um, but it was interesting, wasn't it? Because, look, he could have gone to Nottingham Forest in some sort of bizarre move with Olympiacos, maybe. We're not sure. But he very much wants to stay. I, I think Charlie Austin wants to stay as well and fight for their places. And fair play to Grzycki. He made a real statement, didn't he? He's come out. He's made yeah. it pretty abundantly clear he wants to stay and fight for his place, which I think was a good statement in the first place. Because um, it's nice to hear from players like that, especially when they tweet me directly. Um, and then... He's gone and scored a trick for Poland. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I've said before, to me, to me, you play 4 3 3, you start Dean Garner, you start Pereira, and Grzycki's next in line for me. Yeah. Um, I really hope that after that hat trick, that is the case. Um, and he gets a, a, a crack of the whip because he is rapid. Yeah. Um, and I think if you brought him on with 20 minutes to go, her fullback's going to absolutely roll their eyes because they're not going to want to go up against him. So, um, fingers crossed that fingers crossed that maybe he's had a bit of a defining week, um, and things start to like his album career really sort of starts now, really, because it hasn't really got off the ground, does it? If we're being honest. No. Right. That just about does us. Okay. Seven minutes um, over. Yeah, that's it. We're a couple of minutes over, but um, that's it from me, from Joe. Uh, we will find out what, what job Joe should be doing next week, I'm assuming, um, in the next recording. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that, yeah. All right, okay. Beautiful. From me, from Joe, a fun farewell. See you later.